Welcome to the Vegas Gang Podcast for March 26, 2009. Big welcome to our panel today, Dr. Dave Schwartz from UNLV's Center for Gaming Research. Good afternoon, Dave. Hey there. Good afternoon. Mr. Jeff Simpson from the Las Vegas Sun in Business Las Vegas. Hey, Jeff. Greetings, guys. And Chuck from VegasTripping.com. What's up, Chuck? Hey. Hey. Uh, I'm Hunter, and I run RateVegas.com. And uh, we have a shorter show today, but a couple of interesting topics, I think. Um, We're going to start right off by getting into a question of casino photography or photography in casinos um, and and some policies that go with that. So the reason that this came is coming up is that there was an article in the Las Vegas Review Journal about a local Las Vegas poker blogger, I believe, that was at the cannery taking some photos, and um, security decided to detain him. After, I guess they started by asking him not to take photos and asking him what he was doing. He responded. Um, they eventually decided that they wanted to detain him, and they did so. They called the police. Um, and uh, eventually, I believe he was he was let go. But he, I think he was trespassed. He's not supposed to come back to the cannery. Um, you know, so this sort of this sort of opens up the question. Now, as someone who has taken thousands of photos inside and outside of casinos, uh, I'm no stranger to being asked not to. Um, they are private property. They can do whatever they want. Uh, you know, whether it's protecting the privacy of their customers, um, whether it's security related. But uh, this seems to be going to a new level of heavy-handedness. Um, the uh, the sort of rationale that was described in the article seemed to imply that they were worried about a potential security threat. Um, you know, there was a couple of folks quoted in the article, one of which was, was you, Dr. Dave. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what, can you give us quickly your thoughts? And, and if you have to uh, have to take a break, just uh, don't worry. Go ahead and do what you got to do. Sure. Yeah, um, back in the old days when I was working casino security, this is something we dealt with a lot. Um, in New Jersey, they're much stricter about taking pictures in the casino floor. And I was just told, and I would just tell people, well, it's a state law. You can't take pictures on the casino floor. You know, if you want to take pictures off the floor, that's great. You know, take, they had a horse or a camel or something that people would, this was the Taj Mahal, so it's some kind of goofy thing that people would take pictures with. So that was cool. On the floor, no. You know, also doing the um, casino carpet stuff, I take a lot of pictures in casinos, and usually when I'm asked not to take any pictures, I'll just apologize and go on my way. I've never really had anybody get militant with me, and kind of from my experience in security, it sounds like this guy... Whoever, whatever happened with security officers, they just got a little bit too overzealous there because I, I can't imagine escalating anything to that level. I mean, in the course of a shift, you've got so many real issues to deal with and real problems um, of all kinds. It's hard to believe that that somebody would be actually trespassed, which is really extreme. I mean, you know, I've seen people vomit on other people and not get trespassed. So, I mean, to trespass somebody for taking a picture, that's kind of ridiculous. So I don't know what was going on, if there was some other attitude or, or what was happening. But when I first heard about the story from the reporter, I thought, wow, that's really weird. And I was kind of guarded in my comments because I didn't want to make some kind of sweeping thing and say, oh, yeah, they were totally liable. And then it turns into a lawsuit or something. Right. Um, you know, I don't know what the situation was, but, you know, I could say if I was in their working security, I would – if I was told not to let them take pictures, I would politely direct them to where they could take pictures and not, you know, want to look at their camera and all that other stuff that's just weird 
Well, I mean, I, you know, I can understand if a casino has a high-profile customer, for instance, that maybe they don't – the said customer isn't interested in having a photo of them playing uh, with large amounts of money on some website somewhere. I understand that. And, and my interactions with security guards at, at many different properties has usually been cordial. It's usually sort of along the lines of what you're talking about. And I usually play dumb tourist guy and just uh, kind of wander away. And it's never been a problem. And I've never had – Anything like this happened to me. Um, you know, the story is 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 really interesting because, you know, if if this represents a, a shift of some kind, and I don't really see any evidence that it does, I think it's probably more likely what you're describing, Dave, is just an overzealous guard, maybe combined with someone that. And I'm not saying he would he shouldn't have done this, but you know, if you can imagine a conversation where he says, "Well, why? Well, why? Why?" Do you why? And he starts asking those kinds of questions, and you know, it can sort of escalate, and maybe something like that happened. I don't know. I'm speculating because I wasn't there. You know, which kind of what my approach always was in doing casino security was like, look, you know, I'm more of a victim than you are. I, if I don't do this, we get fined. You know, yeah, I know this sucks, but we, it's what we got to do, and I know it's stupid, but don't take it out on me. And, you know, people usually respond to that better than me saying, well, you must abide by what I say, you know, respect my authority. You know, that's right. obvious. You know, you're making like nine, ten bucks an hour. Nobody's going to come at you that way. So it's like, hey, look, try to help me out here. Just don't take any more pictures. And it sounds like Dave has the right philosophy that you'd like to see security guards have. I know that when I see security guards on the floor, in casinos and they're you know doing their best to keep you know um gawking tourists with kids from like standing right next to the craps table with the dad saying look there's a hard eight johnny you know i mean you know that's you know the the security guards typically are saying look you can't stand here you have to move along it's the law and 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 you know they do a pretty good job of that um but i think you know and i and and i was aware of this story um you know, it seems like about a month or so ago, um, the guy who writes the blog, um, it's, a, it's a very good poker blog called Poker Grump. And uh, the guy who uh, has the blog, um, you know, maybe he is a little, you know, you can tell by the name of the blog, he may be a little ornery um, and, you know, w- willing to stand up for his what he perceives to be his rights. Um, I know that he's very interested in, you know, some of the ways that, um, casinos have treated card counters and maybe some of the overzealous ways they've done it. Um, and I think that, um, you know, like for when I'm stopped by a, a policeman, you know, if they think I've been speeding, um, you know, I don't immediately, you know, sort of start, start standing up for all my rights as a citizen. I'm typically just going to be very polite and hope that I get a warning. I think in this case, um, granted, he has the right to not show his photos, and he probably wasn't, you know, he's not doing anything wrong, just taking photos of various design features of the hotel. But I think he probably would have been, it probably wouldn't harm anything to say, you know, um, yeah, you know, I was just take, you know, explain him what he was doing and why he was doing it. Um, you know, that's that's what I would have done. But you know, I, I respect his right to do to do what he did. I think from the hotel's perspective, it seems like the guard was, you know, it certainly went overboard. The element of the story that really irritated me, and in the newspaper story, they make the police sound like, oh, they quickly came to the conclusion that there was no problem. But, you know, in the in the the original blog post, you know, it sounds like, you know, the police 
you know, at least initially, and that's always been my experience here in Las Vegas, is that the police and hotel security work incredibly closely together. Um, the security forces of all the hotels way more, uh, way outnumber the, the police who, you know, deal with crimes in those jurisdictions. Um, you know, the police are, you know, they almost always will side with the security force when there's some kind of a dispute between security and a patron. Um, it's just, it's not even a question. And many of, and so that's, when I read what the way North Las Vegas police treated the guy at first, I thought that the police were even out of line suggesting that they thought there was some kind of law being broken. Um, and then, and then later coming to their senses after checking the guy's blog. So, you know, to me, that's the one element of the story that I think, I think, well, I think two things. The security needs to be more customer friendly, less, you know, willing to just, you know, jump out there and say, you can't take, you can't take photos or we're worried you're taking photos of surveillance equipment. You know, try and be a little understanding and figure out what's going on before you get, get all tough on a customer. And then from the police's perspective, there needs to be a clear demarcation between security and police. And the police really need to show up with an impartial perspective, treat a, a citizen who says something no differently than they would treat security. Um, and I think that that's probably asking way too much. Um, that's just not how it's done here in Southern Nevada, um, unfortunately. But, um, you know, that's my, that, you know, I, I feel like, you know, the, that our police are just too accustomed to working very closely with security, and it's, uh, it's not always fair to, you know, to customers. Chuck, I was. Yeah, this is, I'm sorry, Hunter. The uh, the thing that's, uh, that interests me about this is the role of technology in this story. Uh, when I first started uh, going to casinos to take photos, you either had to have a, you know, one of those rickety little plastic uh, instamatic jobs, a Polaroid, or something that had to have the the film dropped off as photo mat. Now, people have you know photos or. or uh, Cameras on their cell phones, you know, uh, you know, all the way down to Hunter's ridiculous glasses with the secret camera in it. And, and you know, photography is just a part of life; it happens all the time. Now, like one of those things, you can't go anywhere. You go to a concert, you know, eighty-five percent of the concert, and the other fifteen are watching people taking photos. You know, or the other thirteen percent, then maybe two are watching the show. Actually, you know. Amazing, you know, to see the way that the technology, the devices, we interact with our world. We see things on a stage. Uh, the second thing that, that interests me is, is who gives a shit that I have blogs? You know, because you blog, which actually everybody in the freaking world does, doesn't give you any extra uh, rights. It doesn't give you extra anything. You know, you. You don't get an extra soapbox. You don't, you know, to take Jeff's uh, uh, thought about getting pulled over by the cops, he doesn't say to the cop, oh, well, you know, I'm the head cheese at the Las Vegas Sun, you know, like uh, you probably don't want to arrest me for for driving on the wrong way on the freeway, you know, because they have this platform to say, hey, they arrested me because I did something. How did you know about that, by the way, Chuck? <laughs> Yeah, you know, come on, man. We've hung out. So, anyway, the, the, so these things kind of in concert with each other. Really, you wonder, you know, there's, there's a lot of gray areas here. And 
I know from my own experience of taking photos in casinos everywhere. You know, I take the Dave approach and say, you know, I, I'm still, I still feel when I go to take photos that I should not be taking photos in the casino. I hit a jackpot on the slot machine. I feel kind of guilty, you know, pulling my phone out to take a quick little twit pic of it, you know, and I look around to make sure that I shouldn't be doing this, you know, or I'm not going to get busted. You know, but it's, it's the, the way that it is. You go to Macau, you know, they, hand, they put stickers on your camera bag. They put stickers on you. They everything. have a camera with a no taking photos. And if you take a photo inside of the casino, not only are you going to get back ruined, but you might end up in a Chinese prison somewhere. You know, so I think we take advantage a little bit of the freedom and the fact that this technology is so pervasive. We still should be respectful when we take photos anywhere. You know, as tourists, particularly on the casino floor. You're outside a restaurant, you're outside of the hotel, you're on the street, what have you. It's okay. But when you're in the casino itself, you need to be very, very careful about what you're taking photos of, how you're taking photos, and whether or not uh, you should be taking photos of something, like people playing games or what have you. And if you do have a question, you could always ask the security guard. I've asked him a thousand times, can I take a photo of that? He said, okay. Just to avoid the situation beforehand. Well, you have a good point, but a couple of things that I would say. One, policies seem to be applied unevenly, and this was also brought up in the article. Because you're right, you can't ask the security guard, but I've done that before, gotten a thumbs up from one guy, and then another guy walks along and starts bitching me out. So it's, you know, there, there is this problem where the policies are oftentimes not consistently applied since they are you know, basically just the, the policies of, of said business. But the thing that bothers me more, and <clears throat> I don't think this story says exactly how long he was left detained, but the fact that they can basically detain you and sit you there for, X, for as long as they be, pretty much feel like for taking a photo uh, doesn't really sit all that well with me. Um, it, it, you know, it's just uh, it's a, little, it's a little bit freaky. And, and uh, there's another blog, Vegas Rex blog, that covered the story, and I know he has really strong feelings about this. But one one point he made in his post was like, what if you were, what if you were a diabetic and you didn't have your insulin, and they decided to detain you for whatever amount of time for taking a photo? I mean, it's one thing if you're cheating at blackjack. To I don't, I don't have much sympathy for you if you then get backroomed and detained. But if you're just going about your business, or at least you think you are, uh, and you think you're in the right, and something like this happens, I mean, it, it, it's a little sketchy to think that they can basically hold you down there for as long as they feel like it uh, until they sort, quote unquote, sort things out. Absolutely. Well, and you count on the police to sort of, you know, straighten them out immediately. And it, that didn't happen in this case. The police should have been like, the guy wanted to leave. You didn't let him leave. Why not? I mean, you know, the police should have definitely done that. Certainly security shouldn't have shouldn't this was not a case where he needed to be held. Um if the, you know, they it's hard to believe that they honestly thought the guy was in there scoping out their surveillance system. Um if they, you know, I mean to me it seems like it was a it was an ego thing where a guard felt like he wasn't being respected by a customer who refused to you know, who who was maybe gave him a little lip, and then the customer, um, you know, was gonna not accept the, you know, you know, and, and not be deferential and, you know, respectful, and said, and and instead, you know, stuck to what he thought were his legal rights, 
and so you ended up with you know with a confrontation. I think if either side had you know sort of you know if the customer had said, "Ah, you know, I was taking pictures. I have this blog, blah 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 blah," and you know, I'm, I'm this is what I took pictures of, and maybe even show them the pictures, maybe not, but uh, I doubt that the security guard would have given them a bunch of crap. And by the same token, I think if the security guard would have just you know chilled, he he wouldn't have he certainly wouldn't have taken them into custody. Well, I mean, then there there were also uh, a quote in the article from Bill Zender, who is a casino consultant that auctioned, that was a part owner of the Aladdin in the in the mid '90s, and he made another interesting point was that you know these photos, especially in the internet age, these are good publicity for the casinos. They show people having fun, or they show interesting design features. I mean, Chuck, I'm sure you would agree with me. Photos are really popular. <laughs> um, people love photos. I know they do on my site. I'm sure they do on yours too. And so, you know, to have a policy that and, – and understanding that they need – that they have certain other interests they need to protect, but it, to have a nonsense policy that in some cases may not make sense, they could be hurting themselves and depriving themselves of some free promotion that otherwise they would get, have come in their way. I'm not sure if it goes down to being a, a, exactly a nonsense policy. I think I'm with Jeff in, in the uh, – that this is probably a lower-level problem, a security guard who kind of screwed the pooch here. Not all that long ago, I was taking photos of the outside of El Cortez, uh, right underneath a little barbershop sign and whatnot, and there's a security guard who stands out there late at night, and he says to me and my friend, he says, what you guys taking photos for? I'm like, well, okay, you know, that's interesting. Yeah, well, you know, just the photo. So I asked him just as a joke, as he's standing underneath the barbershop sign, he said, you know where the barbershop is? You know, and he said, I, there's no barbershop inside. But there is a barbershop inside of El Cortez, and the guy works there. You know, you figured he'd know that since he walks and prowls the whole uh, perimeter of the property from various points in time. So, you know, I'm not saying that all security guards are duplices, but uh, I'm sure a fair amount of them are. No, I'm sure you're right. But at the same time, I I would even argue that having a policy of photos anywhere, anytime, could be a, a good policy for some of these places. Well, I, I would argue that the I would argue that the policy should be no photos of people unless you have their consent, just for privacy yeah. reasons. Um, and I think Dave, I think Dave's, you know, New Jersey. I I think it's a sensible policy that in the casino itself. That you you get no photos of people. I mean, I'm sure you guys have all seen, and and I think, and that's why that New Jersey rule at least makes it easy for everyone to understand, for customers and and for um, for security. And so I think that maybe that would be a positive. Um, I mean, I, I I personally like to be able to look at those photos, so I I personally wouldn't like it. But one thing I I think no one would want um, would would be something like what you see now with nightclubs where you have these entrepreneurs who get you know who have deals with the nightclubs that come in and take all kinds of photos of people hanging out in the nightclubs yeah. and then they get posted online and they sell copies of the photos or whatever well you know nobody who's you know gambling in a casino i mean a lot of people who are gambling in casinos either a don't want somebody else to see who they're there with um you know, and B, don't want anybody to know that they're there at all. And, you know, in this, in this age of, um, you know, the, uh, in, in this Internet age, those, those images could last, you know, for a very long time and come back to haunt people. Um, I think that the casinos are, you know, rightly want to limit 
the risk that their customers would face from having to have photos of themselves, you know, of their customers appear on the on the internet. So I think that's a sensible worry that casinos would have on behalf of their customers. I I just think you got to find a balance, and and you know I I mean I understand what you're saying, and I don't disagree. Uh, at the, on the other side of it, though, I, I do think that there's a lot of value in someone posting a photo of them and their friends, at, you know, sitting in the in, in this casino in front of their slot machine on their Facebook page. I mean, uh, but yes, I totally understand the privacy concerns, especially when you're talking about other people that you don't have their consent. Um, it's not necessarily a cut and dry, super easy thing to create a blanket policy for. I mean, because what you could do then, Hunter, is I could go plop down on the seat next to Bill Bennett. Right. And, you know, you could be like, you know, nominally taking a picture of me, but hey, look, there's that former drug czar sitting next to me playing thousand bucks a pool on, you know, the, on triple diamonds. And uh, all of a sudden I have a valuable, you know, a valuable photo to sell, you know, exposing, you know, some values guys hypocrisy. Sure. Um, and so, I mean, there is a risk. I think you're right. It is a balance because it is good publicity. It's nice to let people do what they want and have these memories. I think that, you know, it's it's not a bad thing to be able to, you know, to to say, oh, I can take pictures in the conservatory and in the, you know, in the registration area at MGM, but I can't take a picture of my buddy throwing the dice at the craps table. Um, you know, and, and, and to me, you know, that maybe that even lends it a little mystique, you know, oh, you know, you can't take a picture in the casino. I don't think that that's going to, you know, lessen people's desire to come to Vegas. For some, for some reason in my mind, and I don't know why, I have this sort of separation between table games and slot machines in this, in this discussion. For some reason, I don't see, and, and I, you know, many may disagree, but I, I would feel it inappropriate of someone taking photos at a table game. But for some reason, if I'm sitting at a slot machine, I can't imagine it being uh, a problem, or at least I can't imagine it being too concerning. So even in the high-limit room, even if well, you no, I... walked around the high-limit slot room where the, you know each coin is worth 500 bucks, you don't think that some of those people might take offense no. well, that you know, you're saying, hey, look at this person playing 1000 bucks a pool? I'm, I'm not saying I should be able to take pictures of others either, I'm, I, no matter what. But if I'm sitting at a slot machine and I'm playing said slot machine, if, I, if someone was to take a picture of me, I don't know. There seems like there should be some leeway there, and <clears throat> I'm not exactly sure where that line would be. And uh, I definitely don't think you should be able to take pictures of other people just for obvious reasons. I mean, that I, I don't know. It's difficult. If it, it's a difficult thing. You could get around that by maybe you ask the security guard, "Hey, will you take a picture of me sitting at the slot, or will you come over here and and watch as my buddy takes a picture of me? We're not going to get anybody else in the photo." I mean, you know, people are pretty reasonable generally, yeah. and if that you don't have some, idea. if you don't have some, you know, you know, you know, doctrinaire policy. You know, you can probably work your way around it. I, I think the problem for casinos is is that if you have a really lax policy, people will abuse it and use the lack of the policy as a way to take you know to take advantage and take photos of the Bill Bennetts or you know whoever else it is that's whiling away you know money maybe that they you know they shouldn't or you know pretend that they don't I do. In this day and age, though, you could – and this may be a whole different discussion. You could maybe argue that if you are playing in a Las Vegas casino in an open area and you were not supposed to be there, 
for whatever reason, uh, like EK, the Bill Bennett story is a good example. You know, it's hard for me to feel too sorry for you if people see you there. I mean, <laughs> it, uh, it's it's sort of a tough one, especially <clears throat> maybe maybe that's a, a a good reason to expand private gaming and relax the rules. <laughs> well, it's an interesting discussion. I mean. For me, uh, you know, I, especially since since I take so many photos in these places, um, I do think, from my own experience, that the policies are not uh, don't always make it from the top to the bottom in terms of understanding. And um, you know, any <clears throat> as long as the consistency would be probably be a helpful thing in some of these situations. But uh, unless anyone has anything else, I think I'm going to move on to our next topic, which would be. MGM Mirage versus Dubai World. Um, I, this was a surprise to me, but maybe it shouldn't have been. And um, I'll ask that question in a moment. But uh, this week we saw Dubai World, the 50% partner in MGM Mirage's city center project, file suit against them. Um, basically, uh, well, there's a whole, whole kinds of juicy stuff in the lawsuit, but basically it says that they're not so, they're, they don't feel so assured that MGM's going to pull this one off. And, um, you know, they basically want to have the option to sever their agreement, whatever that would mean, you know, taking more interest, I assume, or something along those lines. Who knows? There's a couple of different ways this could go, and actually I'm interested to hear what you guys think. And, Jeff, I think I'm going to start with you. Um, any thoughts on the motivation for this lawsuit? You know, I mean, I was certainly suspicious right off the bat that this is a sort of cover themselves kind of suit, um, you know, point, you know, get get people focusing on MGM Mirage's deficiencies. Um, you know, it seems counterintuitive, but Dubai has its, its own, you know, severe problems. They've already had to get um, you know, m monetary relief from the um, the group of all of the Emirates, the United Arab Emirates, uh, because Dubai, many of its uh, investment vehicles are really overextended. Um, I think that, you know, it, it, it may be setting the stage for Dubai's unwillingness to continue to fund. Um, you know, certainly MGM Mirage had no intention of not meeting its part of the obligation, um, and I think this is setting them up with Dubai up, an, up with an excuse for why they don't come through when they need to kick in their next half billion or whatever it is. Um, that was my first, my first response. I think that, um, you know, MGM, you know, a, a lot of people are, you know, questioning MGM's ability to go forward. Um, and it may be that Dubai is the biggest, the, their biggest problem. Um, I, it seems like, you know, and Murin's pretty straightforward. It seems like his bankers, he has a pretty good relationship with their bankers, um, and they've been able to, you know, they've deferred taking any action that would, you know, put MGM into a predicament. Um, you know, they're they're just being burned by this soft condo market and. Um, you know the and sort of uh, you know quickly lowered cash flow from their properties, um, but in the long run these are great properties that they're getting ready to open at city center. Um, I think it's I think it's a company with very very strong assets, and uh, 
you know, I, I am not one of the people who, you know, and you see them all over in the comment section in the uh, uh, in the daily newspapers. A lot of people are taking, seem to be reveling in the right. the uh, problems that these companies are having. Right. I think that these companies are that that MGM in particular is stronger than people give them credit for, and it won't be too long before they can uh, emerge from their trouble. Well, it's funny you mentioned the comments because I've read some of those too. And um, it is. You see a lot of, screw these guys, this is getting what they deserve, that sort of thing. I don't know if these people that are commenting are actual Las Vegas residents, but uh, I'm not sure how wise it is to try and do in your city and state's biggest industry. Um, (laughs) The biting the hand that feeds sort of comes to mind. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what's interesting for me was just last week in their conference call, Marin, I believe it was Marin, said that their relationship with Dubai World was excellent. Um, did this, do you guys think that this came as a surprise to NG Mirage, or did they see this coming? Any thoughts? like a love letter to me in the call. They were like, oh, they were just here. They walked around. They were impressed. And all that good stuff. So, you know, three days later for, for the Dubai folks to kick MGM right square in the nuts was quite a surprise. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely surprised. And it, and it definitely got made the news. I mean, it was like as if the company hasn't had enough bad news, and obviously they're really very exposed in Las Vegas, and, which is a market that's having a lot of trouble. Um, so, you know, they're hurting pretty bad right now financially. This it made the news. Is- Dubai pitched that story. Dubai pitched it to, like, every news vehicle in the state. I mean, it wasn't like they just, you know, put out a press release to a company its lawsuit in Delaware. They tried to get that story out. Uh, you know, in every every uh, news media um, availability in Nevada that they had. Really? So they were actively pursuing, act- actively trying to get it out there? Yes. Interesting. Uh, so, you know, where does this leave MG Mirage? So let's, let's look at possible outcomes. Um, so let's let's see that this moves forward. Um, what what could we see? I mean, do we, is Dubai World owning the resort outright? Is that a possibility? Can we even imagine them as an operator in uh, in Las Vegas? And no. I, I mean, that seems unlikely. Um, I can't imagine them walking away from their already sizable cash investment completely. That all, that seems fairly stupid. Um, so what what's the potential outcome here? A controlling share of the project so that they can call the shots? Probably a lawsuit in Delaware. I mean, worst case would be Dubai not contributing. Um, a lawsuit, you know, MGM having to go after them for money or damages for um, hampering the ability to open the project on time, which would have its own costs. Um, you know, best case scenario is they, you know, the two sides work out um, some kind of a uh, deal where both. Both parties are comfortable and can actually afford the contributions they need to make. Um, And the problem with, you know, this project is all these elements are supposed to open, I mean, not quite, but almost simultaneously. And they're all at, like, stages where there's not huge savings to be gained by not following through with finishing. Um, the costs of not finishing seem greater than the costs of finishing. You know, had they made this kind of a play a year and a half ago or a year ago, there would have been sizable savings from stopping construction at that point. But now, 
Um, there's none to be made. So I think worst-case scenario, you have a lawsuit that hampers their ability to open on time and that MGM is uh, you know, forced into making some disadvantageous business decisions, selling properties for less than they'd like, um, making disadvantageous deals with their creditors. Um, you know, Best-case scenario, they uh, kiss and make up, and uh, both sides live up to their uh, their bargain. Now, do, does anybody think that customers care about this uh, in the in the end run? I mean, in the long run, does, you, does anybody think this could have any impact on the resort and marketing that sort of thing? No. I mean, I, I I can't imagine that. What do you think, Chuck? I don't think so at all. No, doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't you think know, customers care. Want, as long as the restaurant, you know, you can sit down and you get your food delivered, and the show, the Elvis show, is good, and the slot machines pay out once in a blue moon, and people have a good time, and the fantasy of visiting is there. That's really all that matters, you know. Yeah, maybe I think like it's the bleeding edge. You know, people like the the, the freaks who read our sites are, are, you know, really care about that. Yeah, but, I agree. I think it's inside like, baseball. I mean, it is interesting, and, and you know, someone may uh, end up getting sort of screwed on their investment to some degree. I mean, there are some things that are not related to this that I think will impact business. I think uh, in the last quarterly that MGM did, um, they only anticipate having two-thirds of the retail leased. Um, and, uh, you know, as we saw at, you know, Barney's and the rest of Palazzo's retail, when you don't open with an almost full or full array of retail, it sends a message about the completeness of the property. Um, I think that you probably folks also saw that in Macau, Chuck, I would say, at the at the Venetian. Um, it's, it's better to open um, like Wynn and Encore did, and um, almost every other hotel in Las Vegas outside of Las Vegas Sands properties, um, you know, with a, you know, fully functioning, you know, property, including its retail co- component. Um, now, this is a, this is an unusual time, and people understand that, but it still, it doesn't, ha- you know, convey that successful business enterprise message that you want when, you know, when you have a bunch of, you know, blacked out or, you know, unopened retail spaces. Now, as Las Vegas as the get, as the getaway, both uh, physically and mentally, you know, it, you don't want those reminders that, uh, of all the other problems that you've got waiting back at home. So I definitely hear you on that one. Well, you know, we'll of course cover any changes um, in the status of the lawsuit as it progresses. Um, I want to wrap up with <clears throat> a couple of little sort of quick hits. And first, I wanted to get um, some impressions, uh, at least from from Dave and, and uh, Jeff. And Chuck, of course, you're welcome to chime in. Regarding the Tropicana, who uh, there was a plan floated for its emergence from Chapter 11 with former MGM exec Alex Yemenijin. I hope I'm pronouncing, pronouncing that right. I'm probably not. It's always one that trips me up. Um, uh, him uh, being uh, in control of that property in Las Vegas. Um, you know, for, for those that have seen, that have sort of watched uh, him in the past as he was working on MGM, is that, would that be a good thing for the Trop and for Las Vegas? or just a good thing for Alex. What do you think, Jeff? Well, you know, I mean, it just seems um I mean, I was pretty surprised. I've I've heard Alex mentioned as a, you know, and trillion as a potential buyer of an MGM or even a Harris property um and uh and was very surprised to see them surface in terms of the Tropicana. You know, that place is a dump 
and uh and you know put taking a guy who ran you know the biggest brand new hotel in the world um the, you know the the MGM Grand Company I mean he wasn't running just a hotel he was the corporate guy uh before Lanny um before he went to run the studio you know to the the Tropicana and not all the other Tropicana properties just that one um you know, and and now you know it, it seems pretty counterintuitive unless they're going to implode the thing or implode one of the towers and do what they were going to do before and build something new. I mean, certainly they're not going to build the Bill Young, um, you know, monstrosity. But um, you know, if he's going to, if they're going to redevelop, then it then it might make sense. Although you know, I, I mean, it's tough to come up with scratch to do it these days. But um, if he if they have the capital. Um, then that makes sense. If it's to operate the Tropicana, it does not make sense. Alex Yemenigian is not some, you know, scratched nickels together kind of guy that's going to be in there, you know, trying to figure out whether, you know, they need more bouillon soup and their chicken on the buffet <laughs> line. You know, um, he is just not, he's not that kind of an operator. But, you know, if, they're, if it's a redevelopment thing, you know, then it would make sense to me. Dave, are you there? Yeah, I am. I'm just curious, what do you think of him as an operator? Do, do you, does he have uh, what's what's his reputation as an operator? Well, you know, I mean, he did run the MGM for a while, so he's got a fairly established reputation. You know, just like Jeff said, I don't think he'd be the best fit necessarily for the Tropicana, and I don't know what the upside would be for redeveloping that property right now. You know, clearly, no matter what happens, we're going to have an awful lot of supply at the high end, mm-hmm. and I don't know that you're going to be able to build at anything but the high end, you know, um, given what construction costs are. So if you've already got a value well, I'm going to drop the gloves here and just call it a grind joint. Just keep it as a grind joint. You know, why would you want to rebuild it and throw $2 billion into it to build a gr- another grind joint? It doesn't make any sense. We should build the uh, world's largest food court. <laughs> Seems like that would take off. <laughs> Although, you know, I, I just kind of free-associated something. I remember back in the in the 80s when the Sands Casino in Atlantic City opened a food court. This was like the biggest deal ever. This was the first food court in a casino in Atlantic City. It was like a huge deal. And in retrospect, it wasn't, you know, it was just chicken strips and uh, burgers and stuff. Well, the the endless trap drama continues, of course. We'll see what happens. The last thing I want to touch on is is Las Vegas Sands, because there were two stories that I caught my eye. Um, Just quickly rolling those up. One is Brad Stone, who I believe was uh, in charge of uh, construction, worldwide head of construction or something like that, for Las Vegas Sands. He uh, left. No big surprise there, I think. I think we even talked about that possibility when Bill Widener left. And second is there was a story where there was a mention of a potential of Las Vegas Sands maybe sharing uh, or, excuse me, selling a percentage of their Macau operation, I assume, to raise money. you know, that's a, a, some, for, the, for something that that company worked so hard to get and basically talked up as the huge, all-out, most important thing in the in the whole world. Um, that's a sign that things aren't going very well. Is that a, is that a sign that the vultures are vultures are circling? I mean, do we do does that does that give an insight that they're doing even worse than we think? Yeah, I think it does because there's no way you could argue that that's not a critical market for them. You know, that's not a core market. So, yeah, that's kind of nuts. And also, just to kind of throw this in, everything comes full circle. Brad Stone was the guy in charge of the Sands when they put that food court in. So, See? hey, that did make sense. There I'll you know, go. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm getting clairvoyant or something. Nice but, uh, segue. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that – you know, I don't think 
I mean, geez, that's the last place you want to be out of right now. And and that's that's not they're going to sell their malls in Macau if they can actually find somebody to do it. Um, you know, if this was two or three years ago, they probably could have sucked Harris into a, you know a multi-billion-dollar deal where Harris would you know get some kind of you know you know uh, profit sharing or something in Macau. But um, you know, and they, they say that they do have some Asian interests that might want to might want to, you know, joint venture with them there, you know, and maybe, and, and, and I wouldn't rule that out, whether they would sell their Macau um, license or their subconcession, I I would say no. Yeah, I mean, outright, I can't imagine that. Well, I mean, we'll see. What do you think, Chuck? This isn't the first time that the, they've been talking about selling them all. This, is, this has been going on for like six or eight months at least. Uh, it's been floated and floated and floated and floated and floated. So I don't really see this as a new piece of news. It just sort of, I think, bubbled up in the uh, post-Brad Stone departure interview with Battleson, I believe. So uh, I, I think something else might be coming from them uh, that could include uh, uh, some sales or some more partnerships for the other sites, the other mm-hmm. projects that are coming on, probably bringing in uh, more bank investment and or more hotel partners. But the the mall thing, that told me. Yeah, you know, I, the quote that I read, I took it to mean not the mall, as in the partners with, I think, the some Asian interest that Jeff was alluding to. But it was very open-ended and vague, and it was very maybe anyway. So, yeah, definitely the, the mall thing has been floating around for a while. They That would be in keeping with their model anyway. I mean, they did that in Las Vegas and made a tidy sum. Um, all right. Well, if, uh, if if that's it, if no one's got anything else, I think we'll wrap it up there for the for today and let everyone go home early. The boss is letting you go home early. Um, <laughs> thanks everybody for being here. I'm going to go around the table and people can you can tell people where they can find you. We'll start with you, Mr. Jeff Simpson. Where can people find you? InBusinessLasVegas.com. Have a good one, guys. And Chuck Monster, where can people track you down? VegasTripping.com. Excellent. And Dr. Dave Schwartz, where can people find you? Guyscast.com. All right. And we've had a request that you need to write some more stuff for your blog. People are missing you. Yeah, I'll be back. <laughs> it's, uh, I've been out of the office this week, but I'll be back next week. I've got a couple of book reviews um, heading down that way and some other good stuff. Excellent. Uh, you can find me at Vegas.com. I want to say thanks to everybody and have a great weekend. <laughs>